0: The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at eight seven six two eight
1: three nine five three three. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome once again to your usual program brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica answering your questions, your concerns, and also all that you need to know about the religion of Islam. I am your host, Imam Ibrahim Fawson. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations within the religion of Islam, and this community is a peace-loving religious community which believes in the advent of the reformer of the age in the person of his holiness Mirza ghulam ahmed may peace be unto him and also spread across over 200 countries this community rejects any form of violence against god's creation the motto for the Ahmadiyya muslim community is love for all and hatred for none in the course of the programme, as you might know, if you want to join us, please do so via WhatsApp and the number is 8762839533. Last week we started a series of episodes talking about the life of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, looking at the kind of personality he was and also the contribution he made to the well being of the world in general. Arguably, he is one of the most important personalities the world has ever witnessed. And today, we are going to um, continue with the um, topic Life of Muhammad. But for the sake of our listeners who might not have joined us last week, last week we spoke about his birth and also the incidents even before he was born. We also took a look at some biblical prophecies that also um, foretold about his coming, and then some of the um, things he went through as a child and also as a youth, and the kind of readiness he had within him to um, help humanity. Today, I am joined again by Imam Tariq Azim, who is going to help continue the episode. And our focus is going to be on how the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi was commissioned and also uh, things that happened after he was commissioned as a prophet. So, Imam Tariq Azim, Assalamualaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh, and welcome to today's program once again.
2: Wa alaikum as wa May peace and blessings of God be upon you and also the
1: listeners. As I said, last week we did justice to the, the topic, Life of Prophet Muhammad. And uh, today we are taking a different look, of course, following the same episodes. And this is going to be the second episode in the series. From where we left last week and continuing today, How did the Prophet Muhammad find out that um, he had been commissioned by God the Almighty as a prophet?
2: Yes. um, Before I get into that, I would just like to explain something about human nature in general. We see that, you know, many people in the world, when they're going through their youthful years, when they're young, they neglect faith completely. I'm not talking about everyone, but majority of the people in their youth um, are such that neglect their faith completely. And when they reach an older age, that's when they realize the mistakes they have been making and the things that they were there taught in the mosque or a church or any other worship place, that they should have paid attention to it, but they didn't do it. So they realize at that time that the things that they, be, they have been chasing, spending their you know years all those things were futile or they were not as necessary as it was to please their God and establish a relationship with God Almighty. At that point, they start searching for God. So, yes, of course, even at that point, God is merciful and forgiving and he may listen to their prayers. But someone who starts searching their, uh, you know, God early in their lives, God shows many miracles and many experiences and can take them at a much higher level. You know, uh, spiritual status, then sometimes that is uh, that one can acquire at a later age. I'm not saying that one cannot, but it's just more difficult or more unlikely. There is a very famous um, statement, uh, you know, among the uh, said by a a Muslim saint, he said that in the youth to, uh, you know, to repent and to turn to God, it is a practice only visible among the prophets, that even when they are young, uh, or prophet-like people, that even when they are young, they turn to God Almighty. So this was the case of Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, that even before he had been commissioned, even before he was a prophet, he was always in search of God Almighty. He was always in search of the true religion. He was born in Arabia. We, we talked about uh, the condition that Arabia was in at that time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: The majority of the people, they worshipped idols. Idol worshipping was common. Pretty much everybody in the society was worshipping idols just because they had seen their forefathers and they had seen their forefathers doing it, right? Performing worship uh, rituals to idols. And I also mentioned in the previous episode that there was more than 360 idols inside of the Kaaba the the worship or the place where people went for their uh, you know pilgrimage in Arabia. So idol worship was very common but Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him in his heart He knew that that is entirely wrong It doesn't make any sense to be worshiping idols Because idols themselves are powerless They're made by created by humans So how can they have any power to give anything to anyone? How can they grant wishes or prayers? So for this reason, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he knew that this is not the answer. And the religion of his ancestors that, that you know that is being practiced today, it is absolutely not the right religion. It didn't appeal to him at all. So, but he did feel that there is some supreme being, the powerful one, the mighty one. And he would always look for him. He would always spend time praying, asking that God, that supreme being, to reveal himself to him in a way so that His faith, you know, that is going through different phases, different experiences, he can find the true God so that he can establish a true relationship with him and he can find a purpose, a spiritual purpose in life, not just for himself, but the purpose for the existence of mankind as a matter of fact. This phase in his life that when he was young, maybe in his 30s of, you know, early 30s and all the way approaching to 40s, it is mentioned in the Holy Quran in a chapter near the ending, and the chapter is called Duha. Yeah. Allah the Almighty says, Wa fahada," That we found you lost in search of your, you know, in search for God. We found you lost in love that you wanted to express to your God Almighty. You wanted to worship your God. So therefore, fahada. So Allah the Almighty guided him. This is the journey of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as explained in the Holy Quran. It is mentioned when we, you know, uh, read the bio- biography of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So, it is mentioned so. that, um, you know, uh, before he reached the age of 40, for several years before that, for some time before that, he had made a habit that every now and then, he would go into a cave just outside of Makkah, the town that where he lived, just outside that town, there was a cave by the name of Hira, Cave Hira, and he would just go to that cave and you know be in complete seclusion, separated from everybody. And then there he would start worshiping God Almighty, asking, praying, you know, from his heart. He wouldn't know uh, how or whom he is praying to in that manner, but he knew that he is praying to the supreme being, not to any idol. And that was his habit that would, that went on for some time. You know, what his wife would do is that she would pack him food for maybe two, three, four, five days at once. And he would just take that food and then just, you know, go into seclusion to worship God Almighty. And the purpose of this the seclusion was not to please anybody, you know. That's why he was in seclusion, because he wasn't doing it. And his purpose was to establish a relationship with the Almighty. So it is mentioned that one day when he was there in that cave, worshiping God Almighty, he was there and an angel appeared to him. This was none other than Gabriel, the archangel. And he appeared to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, fair and he fair. said, read. The angel said, read. The prophet became worried and nervous that, you know, because of this unique spiritual experience. And uh, growing up in Arabia, he did not have any formal education, and he couldn't read or write anyways. So when the angel said to him, read, his initial response was, I, I don't know how to. The angel repeated again, read. And the same response was given by Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. It is mentioned that after three times this incident happening, the angel grabbed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and hugged him, squeezed him and hugged him. And then he said, read again, you know, and then he recited some verses of the Holy Quran. And a longer verse was was read out. And in that verse, uh, in the the Holy Quran, this chapter uh, is called Surah, Al-Alaq, chapter Al-Alaq. And this chapter was, you know, the first uh, few verses of this chapter are the first verses ever to be revealed to the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, which later, which of course became a part of of this book, the Holy Quran. So, when the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had this experience, in that experience, in those verses, it was told to him that, you know, in a way that God Almighty is establishing a, a universal religion, and a big responsibility is about to be placed on your shoulders. See, if this was some other person, uh, an ordinary person, that is told that this is responsible, this responsibility is being given to him, that he is being commissioned to the world, and he has being made a prophet, a universal prophet, prophet for the whole world, such a person would, you know, and then if if he's an ordinary person, uh, he he would become arrogant because he would think that, look at him, look at me now, I have become more special than any other person outside. But a truly spiritual, religious person, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, in this case, or any other prophet when they are revealed upon, they, instead of becoming arrogant, they become humble. They become humble. They start thinking that, instead of, they know that God, if God is making a promise, God will fulfill it. They they become worried about themselves that how will they be able to carry it out? So in this nervousness, in this nervousness, he you know, quickly rushed home. And uh, when he reached home, he, he was shivering due to this experience and this, this responsibility that was uh, put upon him. So, he, as soon as he reached home, he told his wife to cover him with, with a blanket. He kept saying, Zamiluni, Zamiluni, that put a blanket over me, put a blanket over me, because, because of the shivering and the cold that he was feeling. After, once he was settled, he told his wife the whole experience and stated his worry as well, that how will he be able to fulfill this responsibility um, because it is given to him by God Almighty. How is he going to carry it out? At this, the, the, the wife of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Khadija, may Allah be pleased with her. We talked about her last, last week that sure. how... Um, you know um, she was a righteous, pious, and a noble and a very honest lady, and how she came into the contact with holy prophet peace be upon him, and later they got married as well. At this point, she said these words, which i 'm going to quote um, to the prophet peace be upon him." She said, "God is witness. He has not sent you this word, these verses of the Holy Quran, that you should fail and prove unworthy." That he should then give you up. How can God do such a thing? While you are kind and considerate to your relations. You help the poor and the forlorn and bear the burdens. You are restoring the virtues which had disappeared from our country. You treat guests with honor and help those who are in distress. Can you be subjected by God to any trial? These were her words. These were the words of Hazrat Khadija, the wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him, to to give you know assurance to the Prophet, peace be upon him, that you have you have been good throughout your life. You have approached the age of forty now. That was the first time when he was revealed. You all your forty years in life have been nothing but you know um, serving humanity in every way possible. Then how is it possible that God would leave you alone if He has given you a responsibility? He will take care of you. One other thing that we I find this quotation very beautiful. For yeah, you see, there is nobody um, that knows a person better than their spouse. Bit. So the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, his wife is making these, the, you know, these claims that you are, uh, you have this good quality, you have that good quality, and so and so see all those allegations that sometimes people unknowingly raise against the Holy Prophet, the founder of Islam, Islam, peace and blessings of God be upon him. If they were to just look at the biography, read the biography and see what people around him felt, especially the closest ones, such as his wife, they would realize that his character was such a noble and pious character. And it was, uh, you know, uh, filled with love for humanity. It was filled with love for God Almighty. These were the two things that we find in his life. So this is how the Prophet peace be upon him came to find out that he is a prophet. So after this experience, Hazrat Khadija, the wife of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, took him to her cousin, Waraqah bin Nofel. That was his name, Waraqah. Okay. And he was a Christian man, and uh, he knew more about religion. He was a very religious person, but you know, he was uh, he knew more about religious. Um, teachings than most of the Arabians because they simply followed traditions without knowing the actual religion. So, when she took the Prophet to uh, her cousin, uh, they explained the story, the experienced what had happened. And after listening to the story, this, this was an old blind man, and he, he immediately, you know, in a way, uh, attested to the truthfulness of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, this Fair Christian enough. man. He said that. You, the angel that has come upon you, it is the same angel, Gabriel, that brought revelation to prophets before you, such as Prophet Jesus, Prophet Moses, and others. And he said that, if you know that, uh, if I am alive, when the time comes when your people will kick you out of your your town, your country, if I am still alive, I will support you at that time. This man, knowing the history of religions, he knew that. Every prophet goes through this phase in their, uh, you know, uh, life their, when,
1: when they are driven out of their own place. I mean, rejected and driven out of their own land or country. Exactly.
2: Town. Yeah, we find this in Prophet Abraham's story, Prophet Moses, Prophet Jesus, Prophet Noah. And so it was bound to happen to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him okay. as well. And he prophesied at that time. Unfortunately, Varaka passed away um, before Uh, you know, the message had started to spread in that sense where the opposition and persecution came. He had already passed away before that time. So he was not able to support. But these words, you know, um, are written in the history of uh, Islam in a manner to express that he was, even though he was, uh, he had not formally said that I am Muslim because the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, did not have that sort of guidelines from God Almighty to go and convert people in that sense but he knew that where this is headed and who this man is this is the same man that has been prophesied in the in the old testament the new testament and scriptures even before that so he was ready to accept it and he wished that if he if he were alive he would have supported him throughout you know the the life of prophet muhammad peace be upon him so this is how the the first revelation came about and how the prophet was appointed as a prophet by god almighty
1: Thank you very much. And um, you mentioned um, one significant aspect of the prophet's life that is during his youth, uh, youthful age and the kind of dedication he had to um, for worship. And um, that is something that drew my attention to another incident which is captured in the Holy Quran. Of course, most prophets, as you said, um, in spite of the overwhelming number of people who might be doing the wrong things and uh, you know committing sins and i mean i, I, I don't worshiping these young men you i mean who Allah the almighty god almighty has destined to be prophets or begin their mission even before they are commissioned as prophets by leading a righteous life and the incident that came to mind was the case of uh, the prophet abraham um it, it is mentioned in the holy quran other places but also in chapter number 37 where it talks about the fact that his father or the person who was living with his caretaker or his father was an idol worshiper and i believe it is also uh, mentioned in, in the bible in genesis somewhere and um in spite of the person he was living with the person who was directly you know responsible for his upkeep worshipping idols prophet abraham right from childhood i mean rejected and you know um you know scorned the practice of idol worshipping and this is something similar to the um, the conduct of the prophet Muhammad as you mentioned let's look at the the new converts usually it is also something that happens to almost all the prophets that the new converts they go through a great deal of persecution how was the situation like for the early muslims
2: yes the earliest converts um or first convert outside of his family and his, you know like his wife for example was his very close friend hazrat abu bakr hazrat abu bakr may allah be pleased with him is mentioned that uh, you know the time when prophet received the revelation um he was not in town at that time he had gone away for some business and when he came back he heard that you know prophet muhammad peace be upon him has claimed to be a prophet of god almighty and that god is revealing to him so at that time you know he immediately um went to the holy prophet's house and uh, you know so, asked no, him he asked the prophet peace be upon him that have you uh, you know claimed that you are a prophet of god prophet muhammad peace be upon him at so, this time tried to explain you know what he, what experience he had gone through so that you know to give the context and everything so that his friend can understand Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, asked again that no, I'm not asking for explanation. I'm just asking that did you, you know, uh, have you made this claim? And the Prophet again tried explaining. It is mentioned that the third time when Hazrat Abu Bakr said very firmly that please just tell me that have you or not. So the Prophet peace be upon him said, yes, I have made this claim that I have been revealed by God Almighty and that I'm a prophet of God. So at this Hazrat Abu Bakr knowing the character and personality of Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him for a long time he said that these accept me in your in your religion and I accept that whatever you are saying is true because he had known him for so long he knew that this person could not utter any lie and the reason he said that you know don't give, don't give me explanations just tell me if that is true or not yeah. is because he wanted to be among those companions that accepted islam without any you know, going into any...
1: Yeah, conditionality. Exactly,
2: exactly. Just looking at the character of the person, knowing that he could ever utter a lie and be one of those you know earliest companions. So he had that honor and he was always loyal to the cause of Islam, to his friend and prophet, his master, Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. After the demise of Prophet, peace be upon him, Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, became the first Khalifa, the successor to Prophet, peace be upon him as well. Um... In our terminology, we refer to him as Khalifa, the one who carries on the mission founded by the Prophet. So that was Hazrat Abu Bakr, one of the earliest companions. Then there was another um, companion by the name of Hazrat Abu Ubada. Uh, he was, you know, one of the first few companions, and also coming. From both of these gentlemen yeah. came from very well-respected families, and you know they were uh, well settled in a way. But you asked that who were some of the earliest converts? exception of these two or three, majority of the converts, early converts, actually came from uh, very poor backgrounds. They were considered weak in the society, you know, the one that had no class, no status in their uh, their society, basically. And many of them were actually slaves in Arabia that accepted the message of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And as a matter of fact, this is not just with Islam; the same is the case with most religions. Actually, earliest converts are always the weakest ones in the society. The Holy Quran mentions this in several places. That you know, uh, when prophets came, I- I- even the ones, some of them that are mentioned in the Bible, even uh, the earliest converts were some of the poorest and the weakest people in the society. But because when they received the message they listen to it and they start to implement it and then the same people you know bec- uh, start to become the spiritual um, uh, lights for the rest of the people as a matter of fact right the r- majority of the rich people in any time when a prophet comes uh, with exceptions of course they don't accept the prophet because they are living such a comfortable life that yeah. they do not pay heed they do not care what another person is saying what message he is preaching or she is preaching. They just go on about practicing their own lifestyle. So this was, this is the reason that, uh, you know, many of the earliest converts uh, were um, basically, you know, coming from a society, coming from a poor background, coming from, uh, you know, uh, houses or families that were considered very weak in the society and were oppressed by, their, by the chiefs and the other, um, you know, uh, people in their community. So this was just uh, some of the earliest converts that accepted islam
1: and um, as we know it is also historical fact that um, usually when god almighty commissions prophets his early followers go through some sort of persecution and um, i think just name any prophet and um, his people went through that Um, are there some incidents of persecution that the early Muslims went through?
2: Absolutely. It was very severe persecution that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Salus as Salus. well as his companions, the earliest converts, the earliest disciples, they went through. And as you mentioned, it is natural that whenever a true religion comes from God Almighty, it is faced with severe opposition, persecution, there is physical torture, there are ver- verbal abuses at every corner there are rumors spread about them false news spread about them i mean look at the life of prophet jesus peace be upon him yeah what kind of rumors that people were spreading about him at that time
1: even yeah. today um i mean a session of most of i can say jews don't don't accept him as the um, the true prophet that we see him to be
2: exactly but that's the thing that if the religion is a false religion if it is a not a true religion in face of that opposition, it eventually dies and withers. But a true religion that is actually from God Almighty, a prophet that is sent by God Almighty, and he founds a community, that community, that religion succeeds even in extremely tough times. Rather, it grows quicker in that opposition and the challenges that it is facing. And that's what happened when we study the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon it. Initially, when he started to receive revelations and he started to preach the message, a lot of people, you know, first just ignored his message, completely ignored his message, especially the rich and the chiefs and other such people in the community, in the society. But when, you know, uh, the message of Islam, people started to, uh, some people in the society, as I mentioned earlier, especially the ones that were considered lower in the society, when these people started to get drawn towards Islam, the indifference from the elders, from the rich, from the chief, started to turn into agitation. And you know, they started to get frightened in a way. They started to become frightened that our, our system that we have been holding for such long time, uh, it is perhaps breaking apart that all the people in our community are turning to him. Even though it was a slow start, but even then, you know, these people started to see the elders and the chiefs in the community in the society that the mentality of the people is gradually shifting to the message of Holy Prophet Muhammad, Certainly. peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So the chiefs gathered together you know, in their council and they decided that they should persecute the weak Muslims because those are the ones that are joining him, such as the poor people or the slaves and whatnot. And if, uh, they decided that if we persecute them, if we really punish them, they will leave their faith and join our old faith and you know we will go back to living the life the, the the you know living the way we were living before because if he doesn't have any followers Prophet Muhammad then there is no problem so you know they started persecuting and when you read the stories of how they were tortured these these companions of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him um, you know literally tears come down our eyes that how could someone be so brutal that they would do this to to you know humans to, to people There is this very famous, um, uh, you know, companion by the name of Hazrat Bilal. He was an African uh, Arab man. He um, was uh, held as a slave in Arabia and uh, he accepted Islam. So his owner, uh, the person that claimed owner said that, you know, he's my slave. That person started to persecute him for that. And he tried so much that that, that owner uh, tried so much to convert uh, or revert Hazrat Bilal to his old faith. Doesn't matter how much he tried, Bilal was so firm on his faith uh, in the message of Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him that so, he did so. not, you know, uh, regardless of the torture and the punishment, he did not go back. It is mentioned that you know they would make him lay flat on hot sand, hot sand in a desert. Imagine that of Arabia, for example, and they would put a rock on his chest, a heavy rock on his chest. The master would beat him with whips, saying that, you know, uh, say that you worship the idols. They would drag him on this hot sand with you know, um, by tying him to the camels and the camels running in the sand, dragging him along, saying that denounce your faith and it become uh, idol worshiper the way you were before and every time he would just repeat one message one word ahad it is an arabic word which means one god not no idols not three gods not 10 gods not 100 gods no just one god the almighty the supreme and i'm not denouncing him this was the message that prophet peace be upon him had given you know, one of the main messages that he had given and people those who believed they, they held on to the, this uh, this faith so strongly because they knew that this is the truth. Uh, many more incidents that we can look at. There was a lady by the name of Zimbira. She was a, a, a woman. She was a slave. She was persecuted. And she was persecuted and tortured to the point that she lost her eyesight. She became blind because of that. We read about a companion named Zubair. Yeah. We read about a companion named Usman. Uh, this companion named Zubair, his uncle would wrap him up in a mat and close him up and smoke him and make, it, you know, make him suffocate so that perhaps he would you know uh, take back his faith. He would go back to the old faith. Similarly, uh, the companion named Usman, he also went through a lot of suffering. There's one very interesting incident. Um, a man from a close by town heard that there's a prophet, there's a man here that claims to be a prophet and he came into the town. His name was uh, Abu Zar, Hazrat yeah. Abu Zar hazrat is an um, Arabic a title Arab for... Or, course, exactly.
1: Yeah, honorable title for righteous people, yeah.
2: Exactly. So we use this very commonly. So Hazrat Abu Zar came to, uh, you know, inquire about Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Sorry, sorry. He came, he kept his wizard very, you know, um, quiet in a way so that people don't find out. And then when he went to meet the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he met him. He accepted him immediately when he heard the message. Because all those things that, you know, the prophecies and whatnot, whatever he had heard, uh, he seemed to fulfill them. So he immediately accepted him and he said to him that I am going back to my people, but please do not mention to anybody that I have accepted Islam, that I have become a Muslim. So when he left from there and he was passing through the town, he noticed that some people were abusing the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So that man that had wanted to actually keep his faith secret, he couldn't hold back anymore. And he immediately started speaking in praise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him. And he said that he is a Muslim. And the way he you know, so passionately started speaking, uh, the people jumped him and started attacking him and hurting him. Eventually, after he was beaten up quite a bit, a, uh, another person came who knew him and he said that, please stop, stop. You have to stop because this man is from so and so tribe, and we have good relations with that tribe. And by this action of yours, it could, uh, you know, we could it would, it would have negative consequences. So at that, the people let him go. Eventually, this was the persecution that even if people came from other tribes, you know, even if they were respect respected in the society or whatever their status was, they went through persecution. But of course, the lowest in the society went through the worst of the persecution.
1: Thank you very much Imam Tariq and um, you have shared a very sad you know incidents of persecution that the early new converts into Islam went through but then we know also that uh, in the history of prophets not only the it's not only the disciples or the early converts who go through persecution we know that even the prophet themselves they also go through a great deal of persecution Um, was the case of the prophet Muhammad different
2: uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him. He was also persecuted along with his companions. Um, you know, uh, because he came from a family which was actually of chiefs and whatnot. So he had generally, you know, in a way to say he had some protection, but at the same time, uh, that protection continued to diminish as more and more people continued to accept Islam. Uh, his uncle was a very powerful man though very humble, very poor even, but very uh, you know uh, influential, that people respected him. And because of him, they did not dare touch uh, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, while he was still under his care or protection. It was just in custom in Arabia that if you wanted to be protected, you had to be under protection of another powerful person on your own. Anybody could attack you at any time. So even then, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, you know, people would, uh, uh, whenever he would be sometimes pass by on the street, people would throw garbage upon him, dust upon him. When he would be praying, either out in the public or even inside his house, people would throw things upon him. It is mentioned that one time he was praying, and someone, some few people brought the intestines of a camel and put it upon him. And he could not lift himself because the bigger the animal, I mean, you can imagine how heavy that might be. So, some another, uh, I think his daughter came and helped him, assisted him. And then, you know, like these things like that kept on happening throughout the life of Holy Prophet Muhammad. Every time he would be walking, uh, people would uh, sometimes, you know, the opponents uh, uh, abuse him in public. They would say very negative things about him. They would spread rumors about him in the society. Once in their council meeting, uh, you know, the Meccans, they were discussing that how we can stop the spread of the message of islam the message of that you know prophet muhammad peace be upon him is preaching so someone uh, suggested from the council that how about we we make it uh, you know we spread this rumor that this man is a liar he's a deceiver he's a fraudulent person and another contested by saying that you know if, even if uh, we tried we would fail because everybody knows that how truthful he is so we have to come up with some other strategy. Yeah, something. So they, yes. they, yeah, so they kept coming up with these different rumors that they started to spread about the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that God forbid he's a magician, that he's, a, you know, either he is an insane person, and all these different things they were spreading only for the purpose so that his message and him, he himself can be discredited, so that people don't listen to him. But, you know, as it was the message of God Almighty, it was the message that was destined to spread throughout the world, God Almighty made sure of it, that all those efforts that these people put in, all those persecutions that, you know, that went against the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as well as the earliest Muslims, none of them were able to stop the message of Islam from reaching the corners of the earth.
1: That's um, quite a sad um, narration, as you have recounted. Um, Recently, I um, I had a chance to be reading some incidents of um, persecution among the early christians and some of the incidents you you narrated are quite similar to exactly what the early christians went through at least for almost 300 years until um, in a.d 300 when uh, flavius valerius uh, constantinus um, who was um, in a roman empire accepted christianity and of course uh, gave them some kind of um um comfort it is it is sad incident to you know recount some of the incidents and also the torture the early muslims went through some muslims were killed i mean nobody had any question about it just because they had accepted islam some were tortured as you mentioned ladies i mean some their parents being killed some their children being killed and they went through a lot for Close to 13 good years, they endured such persecution and the Muslims never, you know, uh, picked up any form of, you know, weapon to defend themselves. There is a, a case of a woman whose, you know, feet is reported to have been tied with two camels and the camels were driven to opposite directions and she was split, you know, um, into, into pieces these are terrible experiences the early muslims went through but then the question that people will be asking is that why did the muslim face this persecution is this something that they did or it is just in line with um, the history of persecution
2: well you see um, whenever a religion comes from god almighty it comes at a time when people of that area particularly and perhaps, you know, a larger area, generally, have gone away from the true teachings of the religions. And, you know, the vices have become the norm, sins have become the norm, right? So they usually come at that kind of a time, and they present a message, which is, uh, you know, in, in a way, complete opposite of what they are practicing. It, it, is, it is a message that uh, is, kind of, you know, uh, going to bring a revolution into that society. So that is why uh, the people, the early, uh, you know, the, the, the founder of the religion, prophets, as well as the earliest disciples go through extreme levels of persecution. But what was that idea that, you know, resulted uh, in this persecution? First, when we look at Muslims, you know, uh, first we see that it was in their, in their society, as we discussed already, that the, uh, the people of Mecca used to worship idols. Islam gave the message of, a, of unity of God, of oneness yeah. of God, that there is only one God. You don't need to worship second or a third or, you know, some other idol or anything like that. You worship that God Almighty directly and you pray to him. That was the message given to uh, the people of Arabia, which contradicted their long-held tradition where they, you know, uh, worshipped uh, idols. Secondly, Islam established equality for all humans. Islam said that all humans are equal. Yeah. Women felt empowered. You know? fell, slaves felt that their liberation is near now. You know? Islam challenged um, basically the, the, the equality that was not being practiced in that society and uh, you know, brought that equality to people. And due to that reason, that was another reason, that persecution was targeted towards Muslims were you know tar- target of persecution. Islam also challenged long-standing traditions of Arabia in many other regards as well, you know. And the Prophet peace be upon him asked Fair him, sure. asked those people to stay away from those things. So, in a way, because of this new religion that was from God Almighty, these people felt that our society will be you know shifted. Our, uh, the control that we have upon the society, we might lose that control, our powers might become you know, we might become powerless so all these things in the end res- uh, uh, resulted in persecution. You know, in the beginning years of Holy Prophet Muhammad peace sal- and sal- al- sal- al- Allahi, upon him um, the chiefs of Mecca approached the uncle of the Holy Prophet peace be upon sal- him sal- and they said to the uncle that if, you know, you can tell your nephew, to stop preaching this message that he is preaching, we will give him whatever he wants. How much ever wealth he wants, we will give him. How much ever women, the most prettiest that he wants, we will give him. Or anything else that he desires, status, or you know, any other leadership role or something, we are willing to do that. So the Prophet, Prophet's uncle, his name was Abu Talib, he went to the Prophet, wasallam, and said that this is what this is a proposal that the chiefs have brought. What do you say? And he simply rejected the prophet. Uh, simply, and he simply rejected the proposal. Yeah. He said that if they put moon on my one hand and the sun on the other, I would still, you know, continue to preach the message of Allah the Almighty. I will never stop. This was the dedication that he had towards uh, Allah the Almighty and his message that he was given. And he did not care how much uh, you know, it upset the people who were preaching the false teachings and, uh, and trying to control the people in, their, in the ways that they had been doing before. These were some of the reasons that the persecution, uh, we, we see w- uh, persecution against Muslims in this era.
1: And that also, the incident you mentioned, where um, he was offered several other opportunities that if he accepted those offers, of course, he could stop uh, his message, and um, they at a point, they even wanted to make him uh, make him their king. And of course, if he wanted any women, that I mean, in the, in the society, they would were ready to give give him. If he wanted any form of uh, financial, you know, benefit, he, they were ready to give him. However, he d- rejected all those proposals, and that underscores the fact that the message he was propagating was directly from god because just just look at it the, the prophets are you know prophets are kind of strange people and um you look at the other side there is an easy as people would describe an easy way of life that nobody would have anything to do with you of course nobody's going to trouble you then the other side is trouble ahead of you the message you are Conveying is directly opposite to what is prevailing in the society. However, they choose to, you know, toe the line of persecution just, you know, to get the message across. Um, Time is almost running out. But then I I will come back to the the earlier question I asked you about some influential or the possible influential personalities who might have accepted Islam to of course, reduce the um, the persecution to some degree. I made mention of the early Christians and the troubles they went through. Um, I, I mean, during the era of Emperor Nero, there was what is known as the Great Fire of Rome. And today, um, some research is even indicating that the king, the emperor himself, set the fire in order to blame the Christians for it. And from that time, the persecution went on for almost like 300 years until uh, Flavius Constantinus, who is now known as Constantine the Great, accepted Christianity as an emperor and then brought some joy and some relief to the Christians. Are there similar incidents in the early, you know, phase of Islam where some influential converts brought some kind of solace to the early Muslims?
2: Yes, uh, of course, I mean, over the years that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Feralu, lived Feralu. in Makkah, um, even though there was very severe persecution and Muslims had to uh, offer their prayers in a very, you know, uh, quiet and uh, secretive manner so that people don't find out that where they're gathering and whatnot. Uh, despite that, uh, there were people accepting Islam, but majority of them were coming from weak backgrounds. And it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, Basically, their situation in the sense of persecution was not changing much. Um, so one time it happened that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be so upon enough. him, he was just in the uh, town center and one of the chiefs of Makkah he saw him and he just started hurling abuses at him and he went, you know, uh, to extreme level completely insulting him in front of whatever people that were gathered there at that time. The Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, heard him, ignored him, and just you know quietly walked away without any disrespect or anything like that. But it was witnessed by people, and they had seen that how he had abused the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. One uh, of the uncles of Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his name was Hamza, Hazrat Hamza he had gone out of town at that time of the day for hunting later in the day when he came back uh, one lady told him that what had happened that how his uh, nephew was abused by, uh, by this chief and you know nobody was there to uh, stop him from that and uh, you know how, are you going to just sit home while your nephew is being insulted she basically kind of um, uh, pushed him that you should take, ex- take action against it so that, that uncle of the Prophet, peace be upon him, he was not a Muslim. He immediately went to that same very place where the chief was still sitting in the town center and he confronted him, grabbed him by his collar and said that you said this and this to my, my, uh, my nephew. My nephew. How, yeah. de- how dare did you, know you say these things? And he openly at that time, in front of the people that were there, he said that, would you have done it if I were a Muslim? If I were part of his faith, would you have abused him the same way? This man, Hamza, he was uh, the uncle of the prophet, was, you know, feared personality in Makkah. People knew that this man was a great, powerful man in the sense that uh, a man of his word, when he says something, he does it. So he said that when, if, if you knew, or if I were a Muslim, would you have abused him the same way? And then he said that I am part of his faith now. So this was one of the earliest, most powerful persons to convert To Islam in Mecca, and and people, you know, though that were around that chief that had abused the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, they said to him that it is because of your frustration and your anger that you have driven one of our, you know, strongest people to his religion. But of course, it was the will of God Almighty. He was building a community. You know, each person that was coming in, especially at that early stage, it was driven there by God Almighty towards Islam. That was one of the first earliest conversions that brought some strength and, you know, uh, uh, to, to the religion or to the people, to the community, I should say. Yeah. Then soon after, there was uh, maybe three or four years after actually, there was another very powerful person uh, by the name of Omar. He was a very bitter opponent of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. And he himself used to persecute the Muslims. He used to consider it a very, you know, in a way, noble act and an important duty to carry out to get rid of Islam so that this, this, uh, uh, basically this group that is uh, dividing us in a way, we we, we can put an end to it. So after several years of seeing that, you know, more and more people are converting to this and... uh, and how people are being drawn to him without realizing the consequences of it. In his mind, he thought it was a noble cause that you know, ending this mission and persecuting these people. So he said that once and for all, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care in whose protection Prophet Muhammad is. I am going to go to his house or wherever he is, and I'm going to murder him. I'm going to kill him, God forbid. He, with his sword and sheath, started walking towards the house of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Salam, salam. While he was going there, um, a man met him on the way and asked him that, Oh, Umar, where are you going with your, you know, with your sword? Everything okay? He said that I am going to end the life of Prophet Muhammad, or Muhammad, salam, salam. peace be upon him. Once and for all, end this whole you know, story. So he said that before you go there, you should go and find out about your own family. Umar, Umar asked that, what do you mean? He said, your sister. And your brother-in-law have accepted Islam, so Umar, who was initially going there, immediately turned back or turned the other way and went to the house of you know his sister. When he reached there, he knocked on the door and he went inside. Inside, there was a man who was uh, you know who was a Muslim man. He was teaching them the Holy Quran, and he immediately uh, went in. You know, they hid him away and they asked Umar that what's going on? Everything okay? They had not fully disclosed their faith, knowing. That Omer is a man who you know who gets very angry at and times could do and not. could
1: do anything to harm them.
2: Exactly. So at that time, um, Omar attacked the his brother-in-law, and uh, you know abused him and said many things. And he was about to attack him, um, hurt him physically. At that time, his sister came in the way, and instead of him getting hurt, the, the uh, you know Omer's brother-in-law, his sister got hurt. And at that, you know, he, he he might have been an angry man, but he was not a man that would ever hurt a woman. So he, he quickly, you know, his anger calmed, you know, cooled down a little bit at that time. And then, in a way, he apologized and he said that, you know, this is the reason I'm here, that why have you accepted Islam? They started explaining to him that, listen, you calm down, let us show you what the message of Islam is. So, Umar went, cooled down, he performed ablution, he washed himself and then he came back. And then the man that they had hid before, he had some verses of the Holy Quran with him that he was teaching to this, to this uh, couple, to, this new co- to these new converts. And you know when uh, Hazrat Umar read those verses, he immediately realized you know, when he read them with an open mind and with a kind of a remorseful heart because of what he had done to his sister he immediately, his, his eyes opened up that this message has to be from God Almighty. So that same man that had left his home to kill the Prophet ended up, you know, in that same journey, ended up accepting Islam. And then immediately he left again for the place where Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him was gathered with his companions. And he went there and knocked on the door. And people, you know, some of the companions looked through the door and told the Prophet that Umar is here and he has a sword. On him, and should we open the door or what should we do? Prophet peace be upon him said that let him in. And he went inside and accepted the message of Islam in front of all the people, and all the companions immediately said, Allahu Akbar, that surely Allah is the greatest, God Almighty is the greatest. And you know, that day they felt that jubilation that they can now uh, be a bit more open about their faith because Allah has strengthened their community with another very powerful, influential person from, uh, from, from Makkah. So this is, uh, these were just two companions I've mentioned. Of course, uh, over the time, more and more people continue to join him, join the faith of Islam. Even the, it is in some narrations, it is mentioned that uh, the ruler of Abyssinia, uh, the present-day Ethiopia, a country in Africa, uh, the ruler of that place also accepted Islam during the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Salah, and there were many other, many more powerful people that continued to accept Islam, and Islam continued to gain strength. But it wasn't that Islam you know, became strong because of them. Islam was strong because the message of Islam was very strong. It was just that, initially, as is with all the religions, that only the weak and the poor accept the message in the beginning. And gradually, gradually you know, Allah the Almighty opens the hearts of others as well by creating such circumstances, such situations that lead to them accepting Islam and the community continues to grow, you know, through these uh, miraculous incidents, I would say.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Imam Tariq Azim once again for sharing this beautiful information with us and um, also for our listeners joining us on the journey into the life of prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as we began uh, last week god willing we will continue with the life of prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam um in our next episodes once again thank you for being part of the program until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the ahmadiyya muslim community it's love for all and hatred for none assalamu alaikum
0: Salli ala raheemina Shafat Dujjah Be